As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Hey there, you're listening to Service and Practice, where we dive into the practical elements of service in the Orthodox Church in the 21st century. Every other week, you'll hear from a guest that has a particular passion or talent within service. I'm your host, Karen, and thanks for joining. Hi, welcome back, everyone. It's great to be back on the podcast with a special guest today, Father Michael Suriel. He is the priest at the Coptic Orthodox Church of St. Anianus in Monroe, uh, formerly Princeton. Uh, Father Michael's been a priest for 15 years, hard to believe that, (laughs) Um, and I've known him well for several years. And he also is the public relations officer for the Archdiocese of North America and the chancellor at Agora University. Um, and he also has a blog and a vlog, um, which you can find at fathermichaelsariel.com. Hey, Wuna, how are you? I'm good. It's great to be here. Uh, great to have you on the podcast. Um, you're actually the second Soriel on the podcast. <laughs> we had Maura earlier on season one, and she talked to us about serving uh, children with different needs. You got the better one first, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Did she tell you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sure she will be listening at some point, so... Uh, but it's the truth. Yeah, well, again, thanks for being here. I'm really excited to be talking with you today about evangelism and how that can manifest in different ways in our service. Yeah, absolutely. It's a topic that's really close to my heart. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking before I turned on the mic about how evangelism was one of the reasons um, you started serving uh, at St. Indiana. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So so actually, when, when we first started serving in Queens, um, when we were being considered, I was being considered for the priesthood, we were driving through uh, down, like, you know, Ridgewood. And just as I was looking around, I felt like, man, th- this is a really fertile soil for uh, mission and evangelism. And uh, so, so we started doing outreach and the youth started inviting friends and neighbors and friends from school to church. And at a certain point, like people were starting to come. Uh, I started a uh, a Bible study in a, a cell phone store. It was a Spanish-speaking Bible study. Um, and so that was going well. People were starting to come. And then the revolution of 2011 happened uh, in Egypt, which just brought a huge flood of immigrants over. Um, our church in Queens doubled in size in about a two-year oh, wow. period. And, uh, and so it was evident to me at that point that, you know, d- continuing that ministry in you know, St. Mary, St. Antonius was going to be really challenging. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's when the conversations with uh, His Holiness Pope Shenouda uh, of blessed memory and His Grace Bishop David uh, opened up about establishing St. Nianus. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I did not realize the impact that the revolution had on the parish in Queens. And, you know, God bless your service that you've done over there and, and the service that you're doing now. Thank you. Thank you very you're, much. You're welcome. Um, so like I said earlier in the introduction, you've been writing a blog and also doing a, a vlog on YouTube. And how has that been a mechanism for evangelism? So many years ago, I was thinking if St. Paul today was engaging, how would he be reaching people, right? Because, um, you know, today people's attention span is not what it used to be. People don't read books as much as they used to. And 
and so, you know, I, I thought blogs and vlogs would be a great opportunity, a great mechanism to reach people. Uh, and it has been. And, and really the topics that I've tried to engage with have been specifically topics that are looking to engage the world for Christ. So uh, whether it was talking about, you know, uh, politics, it was talking about Christmas uh, and, you know, Coptic Christmas or Orthodox Christmas versus December 25th. Uh, or topics, spiritual topics about prayer, it's really opened up doors for a number of people that have reached out. Um, some of them, some of the topics have reached non-Christians uh, and, you know, that have reached out and said, hey, this is the first time I've, I've read something like this or heard something like this. Uh, some has some of the topics that have that I've written about or, or vlogged about, I think have been challenging for cops themselves, right? Yeah. Because sometimes I think we just, we take things you know, with, uh, with a certain paradigm, we, we grew up hearing it all the time. And so mm-hmm. we, we never pause to, to ask ourselves, wait, why do we think that? Um, and then, of course, it's open doors for, for non-cops that we're searching for a, a deeper and fuller understanding of Christ. Um, you know, not, not all of them, obviously, are here in the Northeast. But uh, it, was, it was nice because I was able to then connect people with other local parishes that could serve them. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm sure that it's had a, a very big reach, you know, across the United States and even maybe outside. It has. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's awesome yeah. to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and what's one of maybe your favorite topics that you've explored on the blog or in the vlog? So probably the, the, the one that got the most traction was uh, on the vlog. It was uh, December 25th or January 7th. And that really challenged a lot of people. Um, because, you know, it, it, I think what people came to realize was it's not either or, but it's both and. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then the other one, probably as far as the blog goes, was shortly after the 2016 election, where I was seeing a lot of stuff online about, you know, uh, the president and him being a divine appointment. And so I, I really challenged that that idea and asked the question, Is was that really God's pick? Um and so, you know, that, that I think challenged a number of people also, um, you know, it wasn't, it, it was less political than it was theological. Uh, but yeah. I think it, it just, you know, made people pause and say, hey, wait a sec, what, what do we think about how God deals with, um, you know, the king or the president or whatever it may be? Mm. Yeah, and what's those, our role? Those are some tough questions um, that, you know, who better to address them? <laughs> Um, and also, I'm really um, I'm kind of surprised to hear that the uh, January 7th versus December 25th debate for Christmas was such a popular video. But I think that's interesting because, you know, that in of itself can be an opportunity for evangelism when, you know, maybe someone realizes you're celebrating Christmas on January 7th and they're kind of intrigued and they, you know, ask why and being able to understand and, and share that. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, how that fits into evangelism and and why is evangelism so important, you know, even for us as Coptic Orthodox Christians here in America? Yeah, so, so the reason I, I wanted to tackle that Christmas topic was because I think whether it's December 25th or January 7th, um, I really wanted to challenge this idea that Christmas is becoming secularized in many mm-hmm. respects. And, uh, and so it really needed to be about Jesus at the end of the day and about the incarnation of God. Uh, God in the flesh, and what does that mean for us? And you know, how did the church interact with that um, throughout every generation? So you know, we've been having these discussions and debates. You know, should we uh, do it on this day or that day? 
and I, I think the, the the premise, the main focus is we want to be sure whatever we're doing that it's really drawing people to Christ uh, and that it is about him, you know, because I, I think uh, sometimes we just say, well, we'll just, we'll, you know, for, for those who say, well, we'll just switch it to December 25th, um, you know, the, the question that I would ask is, are, is our expectation that we're going to shift the narrative uh, mm-hmm. here in the West? And if it's to stay on January 7th, is it just to have a different date? Because that's tradition. And so it's really like the intention is to really make people dig a little bit deeper and um, and wrestle with the, the deeper question of who is God to me and where do I intersect with him? How do I, how do I encounter him uh, today? Yeah, I think those are all really important topics to explore. Um, and, you know, for all the listeners, I've linked the video for this topic in the show notes. So definitely uh, check it out and, uh, you know, make sure you're subscribed to the vlog and the blog that Abuna Michael has. Um, and then talking a little bit about evangelism and, and the history of it, what did that look like in the early church? So in the gospel, uh, you find Christ in, I believe it's in John 20, he breathes into the face of the disciples, right? And he very dramatically sends them out. He breathes upon them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. Uh, and he tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, uh, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. And we say this uh, every day in our liturgical services. But right before that passage, it's uh, John 20, verse 21. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you, right? And so it's this idea that of being sent out. It's this idea of going out uh, and reaching others, uh, specifically with the good news. The Great Commission, of course, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 18 to 20, Jesus comes and speaks to the disciples, uh, and he says to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded to you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the ages. So you find like Christ is very clearly sending out the disciples, right, into the world to baptize. He's sending them out in peace. They've been made whole, right? And, and if you think liturgically, this is what happens at the end of each liturgy, right? The, the priest says, go in peace. Mm-hmm. The peace of the Lord be with you, right? And so the, 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 the members, the body of Christ, who have been united to Christ liturgically are now being sent out, being made whole through their union with Christ in order to go out and to continue that, that ministry of reconciliation that's been entrusted to the church. So, you know, the, the, the Christians saw this as part of their vocation um, to share that good news as they walked about, because really that's what Jesus did, right? He went about doing good. He had compassion on people. He served people. Uh, and he told people about the kingdom. So, you know, that's kind of like the biblical genesis of uh, of mission and evangelism, right? That Christ sends out the disciples very clearly, just as he was sent by the Father. I really like that you said um, that the early Christians, their vocation was evangelism and, and spreading the good news, as if that was, you know, just part of who they were and their identity. And sometimes maybe we can see evangelism as something so 
you know, removed from us or we have to kind of put on the evangelism hat, whereas we really shouldn't have that approach. We should, you know, kind of intrinsically be seeking to to carry out evangelism. Mm, Absolutely. I'm wondering if you have any other insights about what people might get wrong about evangelism, particularly within the Coptic Orthodox Church. You know, I think a lot of times people think evangelism is going out and just convincing people about the fact that the Coptic Church is one of the oldest churches in the world, which for sure it is. But that's really not the objective of evangelism, right? The the, the root word, uh, evangelion, uh, ev is good, angelion uh, means I bring a message. So it's, it's saying, I bring a good message to you. It's also where we get this root word uh, of angel, right? It's the messenger. Uh, and so the, the good news is... Uh, it's the message of victory, right? It's this this idea that in Christ, Christ has defeated the enemy. He has defeated Satan. He's defeated the spirits that have. Uh, he's defeated the ruler of this world, right? Jesus, in in John's Gospel, the the twelfth chapter, he says, "Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out." Right. So he's telling the disciples that victory is coming, and so. The, the Evangelion, the gospel, is in many respects, it is the announcement, the proclamation that freedom has been established, that there is, in a sense, a military victory, right? That is what the, the good news is, in fact. It is a military victory uh, over the enemy, and that enemy is Satan and death and sin. I think a lot of times, cops, we go out, and we'll tell people, well, let me convince you why the Coptic Church is the best church. And it's a great church. And I love my church dearly. Um, but, you know, it's really evangelism is always Christ-focused, right? It's always, it's always beginning with Jesus. It's always beginning of, with the work that he has done uh, and the victory that we have in him. You know, the, the, the image that I like to draw on is after after Abraham Lincoln uh, signed in the Emancipation Proclamation, the slaves were freed, but they didn't all know that. And so people had to go around and tell them, you're free. And even when many slaves heard that they were free, they didn't know what that meant and what that looked like. Yeah. Right? They didn't know this idea, like, what does it look like for them to be free? And so it's also, you know, the good news is that we're no longer enslaved. We're free, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, so I think that is um, that's a starting point, uh, and has to be a starting point for evangelism. I mean, th- there's more misconceptions, and <laughs> and we can certainly go there, but but that's a big one, Karen. Yeah, yeah. And based on those misconceptions or maybe you know misguided ideas, what can we do better? So, so I think you know what we can certainly do better is we can um, start. Um, we can start by uh, listening to others, by hearing where they're at, uh, by learning about their struggle, by learning about their the bondage that they might be in. Right? Everyone has a story. Everyone has suffering that they've been through. Everyone has hurt. And that's the place Christ always goes to meet them at. Uh, and, and so I think one of the things that we have to do really effectively is not just speak at others, or speak with others, but listen to others first, um, so that 
we can, you know, share with them the healing work of Christ that he's able to do in, in, in their life and meet them in their place of hurt. The second thing that I think that, you know, we need to break this paradigm as well is that evangelism is not the same as community service. Mm. So community service is great. And I love all the community service that I, I see going on. And, and we've been really committed to doing a lot of this at, at St. Nianus as well. But community service is just doing that. It's, it's serving beyond the walls of the church. But evangelism is specifically sharing the good news, which requires us to make space for people at church. We have to be prepared to invite people, to receive people to the church, right? So I hear from a lot of people, there's this person, this friend that I have that I'd love to invite to the church, but can they come to your church? And I'm like, no, prepare your church. <laughs> like, of course, <laughs> they're welcome. But, you know, we have to be really purposeful and intentional about receiving others mm -hmm. into the body of and Christ. creating that space. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love the way that you kind of paint that picture that community service is more of a movement out and evangelism is more of a movement inwards. Yeah. You know, I think it can definitely be challenging to make that space, especially, you know, as you gave in your example earlier, talking about your experience serving in Queens, where maybe you have more of an immigrant population and it's quite different from maybe the population that's made of people who have grown up here and who maybe aren't Egyptian by uh, nationality. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so back in 2013, uh, I was in the midst of uh, wrapping up my master's um, and I ended up writing this book that I, I brought you a copy of. Thank uh, you. It's called Incarnational Exodus. And it, it really looks at at this issue of how do we use culture as a tool to effectively communicate the gospel. And it is a tool. And, and to be frank, one of the, the reasons why I realized I wasn't able to continue this ministry in Queens was not because it wasn't important, but because, you know, and I, I shared this at the time with the fathers and the bishop, I thought it would have been irresponsible to the people the hundreds of families that were there to insist that this be the vision of that specific parish because that parish had a mission in some respects to evangelize people that might have been coming from overseas yeah that might have been going to church but never really experienced the gospel mm -hmm. and i know that that sounds so strange because we tend to think a person has been baptized they've been raised in the church and they've come up you know and, and grown up to know god their whole lives but on the flip side, we needed to also be very intentional about saying, hey, we're here in America. God has brought us here for a purpose. My, my father told me this many years ago. God bless him. He said, you know, God didn't just bring us to this country so that we can end up getting big houses and nice cars and great jobs and sending money back overseas. He brought us here so that we could share the gospel with our neighbors. And that stuck with me. That really resonated with me. And so, you know, that was part of the thing. And I, I started looking and saying, hey, what are the aspects of culture that we need to utilize in order to communicate the gospel? And who has done that effectively from the Orthodox families in the past? And that, that's, that's a big part of what I kind of went through in, in the writing of Incarnational Exodus. 
Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. So thanks for the book. <laughs> Be sure you write a review. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'll also have that linked in the show notes for all of you listeners. Um, and in addition to your book, are there any resources that you would recommend um, you know, for just the average layperson who wants to get started with evangelism? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say uh, the starting point for me is always, it is always the scripture. So the New Testament, looking at the life of Christ, how he dealt with people, uh, how he interacted with the broken people in society, uh, as well as in the book of Acts, how the church grew and how it embraced and received people into the body of Christ. So that that's one. Another one is on the incarnation, which is, it's really fascinating. We think incarnation is this Christological book that's written by St. Athanasius. Uh, and it's just focusing on that. But St. Athanasius actually does an uh, amazing a job uh, of speaking about why, how it is those who have experienced Christ um, then go out and share that warmth of Christ with others. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It actually talks about how those who have the young, the youth, the, the young men, the young women who consecrate themselves mm-hmm. uh, to Christ, how that is like a shining lamp for the world. Um, so, so that's that's a fantastic one. There's another uh, work called the Epistle of Diognetius. I think it's the fifth chapter where he speaks specifically about the role of Christians and how they stood out from others and how they ended up being almost like the spirit of the world or the soul of the world. Uh, a book that's specifically, a couple of books that are specifically written that focus on mission and evangelism. Uh, one of them is called Missionaries, Monks, and Martyrs, Making Disciples of All Nations. And it, it kind of, it takes a number of different articles from different Orthodox authors and, and puts it into a, a compilation. That's a fantastic book. Because what you find is throughout Christian history, it's really those three categories of people that sought to be witnesses for Christ, right? Missionaries, monks, and martyrs. They all witnessed for our Lord, for the kingdom in different ways. And because of that witness, they made disciples. One of the the books that really... Tell me when you want me to stop, because I I could keep going. (laughs) One of the books that really deeply impacted me was a book called And He Leads Them, The Mind and Heart of Philip Saliba. Uh, that's the, the, um, he was the, the, the metropolitan of the Antiochian Orthodox Church back in the 1970s here in the States. And it's specifically the third decade of his life. So it's broken up into, you know, first decade, second decade, third decade of his, of his uh, episcopacy here. The third decade, it's really focused on uh, the shift in mindset that he had for the Antiochian uh, archdiocese in North America as it relates to mission and evangelism. And then the last one I would mention is a book called The Wounded Healer uh, by Henry Nguyen. And that talks about how it is that we need a broken world around us and how it is that we as people that ourselves have been wounded can take those wounds, receive healing, and even take I believe it's in Acts chapter 19. It's where the the bandages were taken from St. Paul and those wounds were used to heal other people. And so, you know, that book speaks about how it is we can meet people around us that are deeply wounded and using our own wounds that have been touched by Christ, even if they're not fully healed, right? Uh, those wounds can offer healing to others, right? through God's mm-hmm. grace. 
Yeah, that's really strong imagery. Really beautiful. Um, and th thank you for the recommendations. I was particularly um, intrigued hearing, you know, you frame on the incarnation in, in that sense of evangelism, um, because I think so often it gets, um, you know, characterized as just a theology book or just, just another patristics book. But, you know, really, really there's, um, there's more to it than that. And in closing, I'd like to ask, you know, if there's any, any, you know, small steps, any practical steps that, again, the average person can take to get started, what would you recommend? Yeah, so I would um, pray for sure. Ask God to ask God to touch your heart in such a way that you can extend love to others uh, and that you can meet with others. It's in First Peter 3.15 where St. Peter tells us that we should always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's in us with meekness and with respect. And so, you know, I, I think asking God to move our hearts for others, to be able to love others and ex extend that grace to others as Christ did to us, uh, I think that is a, an essential starting point. And the second thing uh, beyond, so, so, so I think there's the, the human piece, right? And it's that God help me to love other people and give me a heart that's burdened for the salvation of others. The, the second piece uh, is looking around your own world and saying, who are some of the people that I most intersect with? And what are questions that they have? And like St. Peter says, always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that's in you. So if people have questions because of suffering, then be prepared to give a defense, right? So immerse yourself, learn uh, how to give a response to those questions. If you're surrounded by people that have questions that are more uh, science-based, then be prepared to give a response there, right? So, so, so I think it's being aware and sensitive of those around us um, and equipping ourselves in order to, to be able to uh, you know, share that with others. And the third part, um, and I'll, I'll conclude with this, is really seeking a life of personal holiness. Um, and and, and I, I saved that for last, not because it's the least important, but because I, I know the last thing that we hear is the thing that most sticks with us. Yeah. <laughs> Life of holiness, in many respects, is the thing that most impacts other people. We speak about Pope Carolus, this saintly, holy man. We hardly have but maybe one or two of his sermons. He wasn't a person who spoke often, but he was a man who was otherworldly. And that life of holiness came through his own purification uh, and his own daily encounter of Christ. That witness will draw so many people uh, to God, right? Saint, uh, one of the, the, the saints once said, you know, make peace with God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, make peace with God, and a thousand around you will be saved, mm -hmm. right? So this, um, this own inner life, we should never dismiss because... You know, we have to start with Jerusalem, which is our own soul. Yeah. Yeah, amen to that. Well, thank you for all of these, um, you know, concrete tips about how to get started with evangelism and for speaking about your experience with evangelism in general. It was really great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It was good to be here. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Um, and where can people find more of you and your content if they're interested? Uh, we're on YouTube, uh, St. Anianus, uh, St. Anianus, uh, or on uh, my website, um, my blog and vlog website, frmichaelsoriel.com. Thanks again, Abuna. Thank you.
And thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Service and Practice. May God bless all of you and see you soon. Thank you.